I kept going because I, I loved it. Like from the first episode, um, I, I work remotely, so I don't get a lot of face-to-face time with people except for on the podcast. So, uh, you know, I love talking to people. I love just asking questions. The show came out of the fact that I was having more private conversations with people about how they built out their platforms. And I'm like, this should be, other people should hear this. And so I really believed in the content. I got a few, I lined up maybe like 10 guests to start. Every single one said yes. I loved the conversations. And then by the time the 10th episode came out, I had a little bit of a following. So um, not a huge following, uh, but enough for me to be like, all right, people really dig what I'm doing. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. My feature guest this week is Joe Casabona, all the way from the US of A. Joe is a WordPress developer, a podcaster and an online course creator. He also happens to be a university professor, which I did not know until this episode. I hung out with Joe at uh, WordCamp US back in 2016 and we got along very well and uh, he is an online educator teaching some very cool stuff to online creators. So if you are in the business of creating content online, whether it be a podcast or an online course or a blog, then Joe Casabona is a man that you want to get around and some of his uh, content and training. So without further ado, let's go and meet Joe Casabona. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. We are live streaming this out onto our Facebook page as usual. We've had quite a few technical issues this morning that we've had to solve. And let me tell you something, technical issues are one thing, but when you've had hardly any sleep because your 16-month-old decides that uh, he wants to start screaming his head off at 230 and 3.30 in the morning, solving technical problems gets a little funky because you're not quite thinking straight. Anyway, I'm super excited that we could make this work and I didn't have to reschedule it because I have on Skype here with me all the way from the United States of America, the one, the only Mr. Joe Casabona. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, Troy, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome, man. I'm so super pumped that we could get to do this. Um, I was on your show a while ago. We hung out at, I think it was WordCamp US back in yep. Philadelphia. And uh, I'm super excited to unpack your brain and uh, and introduce you to our audience. Um, for those that don't know, tell us who you are and what do you do and why you're here. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm super pumped. I've been listening forever, so I'm glad to be on the show. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, I am a online educator, primarily a podcaster and a developer. So I started off as a developer first. I've been making websites since like 2002, uh, since I was in high school. I did that all the way up until about two or so years ago. I was working at Crowd Favorite, and I decided that uh, when my daughter was born, I wanted to have more of a lifestyle type business than one that was 
kind of the agency life, right? When I was yeah. a single guy, the agency life was great. I loved staying up late and like coding, but with a family and, and I can relate. My daughter is 20 months. And when she wakes up in the middle of the night, multiple times, it kills me. Um, but I want to be able to focus on family and my business. And so I love teaching. I've uh, been a university uh, professor for like 10 years. And wow. I decided to combine those two and start making online courses. Wow. What do you teach at university? I did not know that about you. Yeah. I, I'm an adjunct professor at the University of Scranton. I teach... Uh, Primarily a course called Computer Literacy. So I get to teach freshmen just kind of about being a good internet citizen and like kind of the basics of computing and things to think about moving forward. But I also teach computer science classes, uh, you know, intro to programming. I teach a Python class and uh, web development as well. So it's, it's a lot of fun kind of getting into the minds of college students who have never seen this stuff before. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you teach much WordPress and the web dev stuff? Yes. So. Uh, actually, in my computer literacy class, I have them make a WordPress.com blog. And that has been illuminating for me because I would try to explain like pages and posts to them. And one of my students one one year just like rose her hand and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, I got to rethink the way I describe this stuff. But uh, yeah, so we get into WordPress for, you know, I kind of say you should have your own blog, like your own personal brand is a thing now. And in the more advanced classes, we we uh, wade into PHP and we take a look at WordPress theme code. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so you said you, you've been building websites for clients since you're in high school. How did that come about? Yeah, I like to say it was divine intervention. My uh, church came to me and they said, uh, Joe, we need a website. You're good with computers, right? Can you make us one? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I know how to like fix Windows. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they said, we'll pay you. And I said, yeah, I can make you a website. You'll pay me? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my first job was a paying job, 200 whole bucks. And it was fantastic. I could buy like four Xbox games with that money. So Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and so at what point did you think, okay, uh, this is something I really enjoy doing. I'm going to try and make a career out of this. So I really enjoyed that project, even though I used like Microsoft front page to like do it and, and put the site together. I liked it because it allowed me to flex kind of like the creative side of my brain and the logical side of my brain. Mm. Because I was like really big into like drawing and sketching and, and I play the drums, but I also have a master's in computer science. So I really liked that. And I reached out to a few friends who's, uh, who I know um, their parents had businesses and I said, hey, do your parents need websites? You know, I charge 200 bucks a website. And uh, I did a couple of those. And my friend was like, you need to charge more. So I started charging 500 bucks a website. And I'm like, this is great. I'm getting paid to do something I love to do. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the online education stuff and online courses in a minute. But uh, before we get there, how did the relationship with Crowd Favorite come about? I went to Pressnomics. So I had been actually, I'd been following Alex King. Mm since very early in my web development career. I think like in 2004, I started following his blog and just loved everything he did. Like my first like company website was basically a uh, copy of his company website. So, uh, you know, I really just admired his work. And then at Pressnomics 2, I had won tickets from Envato. Mm -hmm. They were giving away a Pressnomics 2 ticket and I won it. And I was like, I'm going to go. And I met Alex, I met Kareem, I met Chris Lemma, uh, and, and Sean Hescath. And those four people 
like deeply changed my life. Like we bonded over cigars mm -hmm. and then those four people like deeply changed my life. So um, we hit it off. I heard that they were hiring the first remote position that I knew of because they had, Alex had always hired local to Denver mm. and I applied and Chris Lemma messaged me and was like, did you apply to crowd favor? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, all right, uh, let me, let me talk to some people. And I went through the interview and got the job. Wow. Awesome. And how long were you there? How long were you at crowd favor? I was there for about three, three and a half years, uh, I think. Yeah. So, um, I was working in the IT department at the university of Scranton, my alma mater, on my alma mater and where I teach. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I left there, I guess, in September of 2014, 2013, 2014. So I was there for like three years. And the, um, let's just switch gears a little bit. Uh, the How I Built It podcast. When did you start that? That was June 2016. Okay. And I know that specifically because I got the idea for the domain on my honeymoon in Italy. <laughs> I saw all the .it domains and I was like, I wonder if how I built .it is available. So I actually bought the domain before I knew what I wanted to do with it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, talk me through the, talk me through, I, as you know, we're on a podcast right now. I know all the challenges and obstacles, some technical, some psychological, some marketing <laughs> point of view. Um, so I'm very well aware of it, but talk me through some of the biggest challenges you've had with the podcast. I think the biggest challenge that I've had is maybe making sure that I'm putting out enough good content for the listeners. And like, like people ask me, uh, I'm approaching half a million downloads over the course of like two years. Wow. And so people are like, how did you grow your podcast so quickly? And, and I don't really know how I did that. Um, I think good content and, and good guests are probably a, a big part of it. But I think uh, one of the things that I sweat a little is, are people going to like this? I'm going to try something different. What are people going to think about that? Uh, and my show is sponsored. So, you know, another big challenge is mm. continually getting sponsors uh, at the end of each season. Uh, you know, I'm like, where's my next like big season long sponsor going to come from? Because mm. they, I mean, they make the show possible. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I can do like transcripts and uh, hire an editor thanks to their financial support. Yeah. And you run seasons? How many, how many episodes in a season? Uh, 24, 22 to 24, very okay. similar to like American TV shows. Cause uh -huh. it's, you know, depending on the time of year, yep. uh, I take a little break in the summer. Um, and then I go up until like the first week of December and then take a break until January. So two seasons throughout the year. Yeah. Um, do you, how do you, you know, a lot of people, when they start podcasts, they find it difficult to find guests in our experience. Once you get a couple of good guests on, they kind of fall over like dominoes and other people are more likely to come on because there's some social proof. How did you go about getting your first batch of guests? I was very lucky in the sense that I, over the previous few years, I had been able to go to WordCamps and build a, a network of people. Uh, and so I reached out to my immediate network and then I reached out to like a couple of folks that would be like the gold standard for getting on my podcast. And one of them was Chris Coyer. Mm -hmm. He, you know, I was on his podcast a couple of years ago, but I'm like, Hey, this show isn't launched yet, but I would love if you were a guest. And he goes, oh, like he just said, okay. It was like amazing. So uh, he was like guest number six. But aside from that, it was just people that I had connected with over the previous years. I said, Hey, I'm starting a podcast interview style. These are the questions I'm going to ask. Are you interested in coming on? And uh, I've had over a hundred episodes at this point, And I think like maybe four or five people have declined. So wow, that's uh, great. yeah. 
yeah. So if you're thinking about starting a show, just just ask. Yeah, people. And now, and now, so one of the other one of the biggest challenges with people starting a podcast is the tech side of it. We've had a lot of technical problems here this morning, but let's pretend that the recording of the podcast goes smoothly. Then there's a whole bunch of stuff around hosting the podcast, getting it up on a website, sharing the show notes. Now you're a WordPress developer, right? So you've got a bit of an upper hand, but even for guys like us who understand the tech, it's a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. So just maybe talk me through some of the moving parts of hosting a podcast on your website and and actually publishing it so people can listen to it and enjoy it. Yeah. One of the it is, you're absolutely right. For even technical folks, there is a bit of a learning curve. Like the first thing that I didn't realize I needed until somebody told me I needed it was specific audio hosting, right? So I was like, I'll just upload my episodes to, you know, WordPress. They support MP3s and HTML5, whatever. And, um, and my friend was like, you should look into a separate audio host for these reasons. And I'm really glad I did now because, you know, my host would crash <laughs> if it was yeah, just yeah. serving up those audio files. So, uh, so I learned, you know, that I need Libsyn. And then I was like, how do I connect these pieces? How do I find the right plugins? And so, you know, it was kind of like a domino effect. Once I figured that out, I okay, I need to get this into WordPress. Oh, okay, I want to have sponsors, but I want them to be like separate from the episode so I can kind of pull them in a different way and make them searchable and whatever. And But that was the technical side. Uh, like that was the engineer in me going, I need to do these things. The point for me was really driven home at Podcast Movement when I was talking to somebody and he had a Wix site. And if it works for him, that's fine. But the thing is, it wasn't working for him. Uh, he's like, you know, how do I do this? And I'm like, oh, well, go to a single episode page. And he didn't have one. He just had all of the episodes and then they linked to iTunes. And I was like, here's why this doesn't work. And he goes, this is so confusing. Mm. And everybody I talked to at Podcast Movement was way more interested in the fact that I was a developer Mm -hmm. than a podcaster. So, (laughs) um, you know, I knew that or they didn't know that they needed website hosting or they needed to pick a platform, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to buy a domain. They should have a website because... If you share on iTunes, only people who have Apple devices, Mm. specifically only people who use iTunes can listen to it, right? Mm. Uh, And that's like 60% of my audience, Mm. but that's still like 40% less uh, that can't listen to it if I'm just sharing the iTunes link. And so there's that. You got to find audio hosting and connect them with the right plugin. So uh, there's a few good plugins out there. And depending on what host you use, you might want to pick the right one. Uh, and then there's, of course, submitting to not just iTunes, but Stitcher, mm-hmm. uh, TuneIn. How does Google Podcasts work? Like, mm. that's another reason to use a plugin, right? Because they build the feed for you. Mm. And Spotify. Like, uh, it's not just submitting to iTunes. It's getting them to, like, I think those are the four or five major directories yeah. that'll get your podcast out there. So um, all of that stuff you have to think about mm. on top of scheduling guests, mm-hmm. getting the tech right, figuring out the content, researching, all that stuff. Yeah. It's a pain in the neck. It's a pain in the neck, isn't it? Yeah. So from a mindset point of view, how do you keep going? You're obviously very passionate about what you do, but how do you keep going in the early days when there are all these technical problems to solve and you're not sure if anyone's listening? Because when you start a podcast, it's, you know, very rare, unless you're my wife who like accidentally just becomes the third most downloaded podcast in the country the day she launches and she's like number three on the iTunes charts, which was just wow. unbelievable. I was actually backstage at a conference getting ready to go on and talk in front of, I don't know, 1,500 people at the Arts Centre here in, in Melbourne and a friend of mine texted me and said, oh, wow, check out the iTunes podcast chart. So I looked it up and there's her podcast, number three on the day she launches. We still have no idea how that happened, by the way. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think you can engineer that. Um, but in the early days, you, you, you're solving all of these technical problems. You're not sure if anyone's listening. You're not getting a hell of a lot of feedback because you're trying to grow an audience. How did you make a decision to just keep going and be consistent? Yeah, I'll say like even now I have a hard time getting feedback, right? Like uh, it, it feels like a one-way street sometimes. Mm. But, you know, I kept going because I, I loved it. Like from the first episode, I work remotely. So I don't get a lot of face-to-face time with people, yeah. except for on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I love talking to people. I love just asking questions. The show came out of the fact that I was having more private conversations with people about how they built out their platforms. And I'm like, this should be, other people should hear this. Mm. And so I really believed in the content. I got a few, I lined up maybe like 10 guests to start. Every single one said yes. I loved the conversations. And then by the time the 10th episode came out, I had a little bit of a following. So um, not a huge following, uh, but enough for me to be like, all right, people really dig what I'm doing. And and um, so if you just, you know, do maybe 10 episodes and see if you like it, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you like, just look for like the little bit of engagement that you need to, to keep going, um, because it is podcasting is a grind. Yeah, it, it, it takes it takes a long time to build up an audience in podcasting. So yeah, what's the first job that if you were starting again? What's the first part of the process that you would outsource or delegate or try and find someone else to do for you? Editing, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I tried <laughs> editing. Yeah, I tried editing my first couple of episodes, and in one, the guest said "um" like every other word, and yeah. so I'm going through and just chopping out every "um." Yeah, and I'm like, this is taking so long. So right after that, I'm, I'm lucky it was early on. Uh, I found somebody on Fiverr who could do the episodes for like 10 bucks. They would just edit it and mix it all together. And now I have a different one who does a bit more than that and puts mm. the whole show together for me for mm. a very reasonable price. But uh, mm. that is without a doubt the first thing I would outsource. Yeah, totally. Uh, I agree 100%. In fact, the first podcast I started was called Compress, C-O-M-M Press, the commercial side of WordPress. I recorded six episodes and then I stopped because I just had this editing work in front of me and it was just killing me. And unfortunately that, that podcast failed. So then when when we started the WP Elevation podcast, I had a system in place. I had it documented. I knew what needed to happen and we outsourced it. And we recently just took our entire podcast production job and gave it to a company. uh, I think they're based in the States called Oscar Hamilton. And they do everything for us. They do the editing, they do the show notes, they yeah. do the graphics, they do the whole box and dice. And that's been a huge relief on our team because our team were doing it internally. Um, so we just lifted that off the team, gave it to Oscar Hamilton. They're doing a fantastic job and now our team are freed up to do other things. So, um, yeah, definitely the editing is the – and my wife still edits her own podcast. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, it's, well, and partially because for her it's a labour of love. Um, I want to talk about your sponsorship how, how, I mean, what are the strategies for monetizing a podcast? Because, because the reality is there are hard costs involved in putting together a podcast, not just your time, but there are hosting costs, there are technology costs, there are equipment costs, there are hard costs involved. So what are some of the ways that people can monetize a podcast? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I tell people if they want to start a podcast, they should be ready to invest at least a few hundred dollars in it because, you know, you can get Lipson hosting for like five bucks to start out, but your mic is going to cost you at least 50 for a, a decent mic, right? Mm. Maybe 30 to 50 bucks. Um, and uh, yeah, so there are real costs associated with it. There are a few strategies for monetizing, right? Uh, sponsorship is like the most obvious one mm-hmm. because that is very much like m- cash for 
a, an ad read, right? Mm. But you can also sell services. I know people who are very. I mean, it's it seems like maybe W like that's the WP Elevation mm. model, right? Is uh, you're using it to build your authority, mm-hmm. and when you build your authority through your podcast people are more likely to hire you. Uh, a really good one for that is landingpageschool.com. Mm. I love that podcast. And if I didn't know how to build landing pages myself, uh, like th- from the technical aspect, I would 100% hire that guy because he has, in like five episodes, he improved my landing pages. Wow. So um, yeah, so there's definitely uh, there's that. So there's sponsorship, there's uh, using your podcast to, to build authority. And I think those are the two big ones, right? Mm. Um, and then there's affiliate links, of course. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's one I'm experimenting with now in my my relatively new show, uh, Creator Toolkit. Mm. And it's basically, oh, I'm looking for what's the toolkit I need to build a blog? What's the toolkit I need to build a podcast website? Mm. And that's mostly affiliate link driven. And I say it right on the page. I mean, you, I think yeah, yeah. You're, you have to, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But that is... I don't plan on getting sponsors for that. I plan on using that as authority building for me for my courses and you know generating affiliate link income through the the tools that I'm recommending. Awesome. But, yeah. Um, Pat Flynn does very well out of uh, affiliate links and he's you know built a whole business on that. He's he's kind of recently added some online courses as well but he did ver- he's done very well for a long time uh, mainly through you know selling Bluehost uh, Bluehosting as uh, as as an affiliate. Um, I want to talk about the online education stuff because you do have a great course on uh, how to build your podcast website in 3 days that we're going to talk about in a little minute but before we get there how did you know that you wanted to create so you you know you were teaching at university how did you know that you wanted to create courses online because again if there's one thing that i would suggest people you know try not to do in their spare time it's build an online course because they're a lot of work <laughs> right it's like you are not going to do this on a weekend with your iphone like there is a lot of work in building an online course and huge technical problems to solve when did you say all right this is a project that i'm going to bite off and chew like crazy yeah, when I got married, I knew I'd be moving north of the university, or I'm sorry, south of the University of Scranton. Not that it matters to anybody who doesn't know the state of Pennsylvania, but I moved closer to Philly. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I knew I wouldn't be teaching at the university, at least in person, or maybe as often, right? Because the commute is, is longer. Uh, luckily, I helped develop and teach some of their online courses now, and I get some face time with students that way. But um I knew I wanted to keep teaching and I wasn't sure what the situation would be like, uh, you know, where I live now. There's like seven universities here, so I could apply and teach at those places if I want. But um, I knew I wanted to keep teaching. And so originally I was like, I'll do live in-person workshops and they'll be great because no one's doing them. They're all doing online webinars. And then I quickly learned why nobody was doing live in-person workshops. Um, I think I think maybe that would work in Philly uh, because there's an or like a near a major city because there's enough people. But in Scranton, Pennsylvania, n- nobody wanted to come to this, and especially mm. like nobody wanted to pay me to come to it. They're like, mm. you know, somebody even said, "Why would I pay you for what I can learn on YouTube?" And I'm mm. like, "You're not the person I'm going for." Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so after that, I was like, "All right, well, I'll do. The, I'll move to webinars because at least that's like a live thing." Yeah. Uh, and again, that was not sustainable for me. I think if I did it right, I could probably really move on that and and make a good living that way. But I was doing this part-time because I was still at Crowd Favorite. Uh, 
I was doing this in the midst of first getting married and then immediately finding out that, you know, uh, my wife was pregnant. So um, there was a lot going on. Mm. And I thought I'll do online courses because those are things that it's not client work where it has a deadline. I can work on it in my spare time and then I can launch it based on the needs I see. And so it is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You need to outline, you need to script, you need to figure out minor screencasts, they're online tutorials. So I'm showing you how am I going to, how am I going to best show this without confusing the user? Then you need to narrate and then you need to edit. I I still edit my videos because I want to make sure that they're communicating the message the right way that I'm communicating it Mm -hmm. and that I'm trying to communicate it. And so to make a, a long story short, I started doing the online courses because I still had a, pass, a passion for teaching. And because there were no hard deadlines to the projects I was creating, I had some flexibility to work on it when I could work on it. Mm. What's the hardest thing? If, if someone's starting out and they're like, this is awesome. Joe's done it. Troy's done it. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to build online courses. If, if you and I could go back and have a conversation five years ago, <laughs> what would you tell me? Like, this is the hardest, pro- this is the hardest problem you're going to have. With online courses specifically, it is build your audience first. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, yes. that is, I took a very field of dreams approach at first. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to build a course and people will take yeah. it. And even, yeah, right. Whoops. <laughs> um, and even now my messaging is a little bit off because... My messaging is still like, if you need to learn this, you should take this course. But that shouldn't be my messaging, right? Mm. My messaging should be, you have a problem, this course solves it, right? Yeah. Because, hey, take this course as I'm making work for you. Yeah. But I'm solving your problem yeah. is here's a shortcut. That's right. So, and the course yeah. is just the vehicle to get to the solution. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. When when you were on my show, you said, that you, how do you get your students from zero to win, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, that is something that I have thought about consistently for the last 20 or so months, right? Yeah. Like since we, since yeah. we spoke. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, the, I've run webinars and done workshops about this in the past that, you know, the biggest problem I see and the, and the biggest tragedy I see is people producing amazing online courses. I put myself in this, in this bucket, the first online course we produced, I thought was pretty good. It, it actually stands up today as a pretty good online course for generating new clients. And we sold five copies because we did not have a, an audience. We had a bit of an audience, but they weren't warmed up. They weren't nurtured. We just made a course and then hadn't emailed anyone for like two years and then just hit them over the head and went, hey, look, we've got this course. Come by it. It's amazing. And we sold five copies. And it was devastating. It took me, it took me two years to recover from that and make another online course because my confidence was so damaged. I thought, this is horrible. Nobody wants to buy from me. What I, what I have learned since is that You've got to build your audience and you've got to nurture that audience and build relationships so that when you put out an online course, people buy because one, you've, they've got a problem that you can solve or two, they just trust you so much that they know whatever it is you produce is, is going to be high quality and it's going to be valuable for them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the trust building is super important, right? I mean, coming from a classroom, I have a captive audience. Like yeah, students yeah. have to take my course. Yeah. Um, and so they can warm up to me because they have to be there. But no one has to buy my online course. And so why should they? I know I'm good at what I do, but how do I prove to other people I'm good at what I do? And that's where building your audience, warming them up, sending them a little bit of free content so they can get an idea of how you teach Mm. and what you teach, builds that trust over time. And then when you launch your course, 
they're ready to say, yes, I trust you and I need to, this solves my problem. I'm going to buy this course. Yeah. Are you, are your courses available as launches for particular intakes or are they evergreen? They're just open. People can enroll whenever. Currently they are evergreen. People can enroll whenever yeah. I'm uh, enroll whenever I am experimenting with a new course that I'm going to launch, start launching mm-hmm. in December. Uh, and Pat Flynn, I learned a ton from Pat Flynn, mm. uh, listening to his show about this, but um, where I, I teach a course on how to create online courses, it's a little meta. Mm-hmm. But um, what I do now is it's like a six part series that you can buy today. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that, I'm going to close enrollment for it. I'm going to revamp it. And then I'm going to build the audience and do kind of the prescribed launch where I put out free content and free videos. I do a launch webinar for yep. the pre-sale. Uh, and I say, Hey, you can only enroll for this week. And I, you create that scarcity. Right. And, mm. and so my timeline for that is probably like December one or maybe shortly after WordCamp us yep. um, through maybe like middle of January. And, and so that'll be my first time experimenting with a, a closed enrollment course. Awesome. Uh, it's exhausting work doing the doing the the closed launches. I had a conversation with Dave Foy this morning, who's just launched his uh, No Fear Funnels course. He had a you know closed period of launch. We spent three years doing that. It's exhausting work. It's great. It can be very exciting. Uh, we've recently pivoted uh, back to Evergreen because the launch model uh, after three years just exhausted us. And that and the thing about a launch model, which as I said, we had a lot of fun for three years doing it, and we'll probably do launches of other courses in the future. Uh, but the one of the challenges is that if you're only launching, say, two or three times a year, there's like this four or five-month window between launches where you can't learn, you can't iterate, and you can't test anything. So we'd come off the back of a launch, have all these great ideas, and then it'd be like, damn, we've got four months before we can try any of these experiments to see what works again. So being an evergreen for us allows us to iterate every week and, and have a more of a rapid learning cycle. But it the, one of the tricky things is that the scarcity kind of goes away because you're open all the time. So you have to think about other bonuses that you can add or price hikes or other things that you can offer people to reward them for taking for taking action. Because, you know, what I've learned doing this for five or six years now is the number one thing that motivates people to take action is scarcity or urgency. And I wish it wasn't the case, but that's, that's, that's the biggest, uh, the biggest motivator of human behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say, uh, I used to go to this when I was a kid. We used to go to this big flea market. It's like a bazaar. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know if yeah. flea market's like a common international term, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a big outdoor bazaar and it was a lot of fun. And there was a guy that sold socks there. And every time we were there, he was there saying, three for 10 bucks. It's my last week. It's my last <laughs> week here. Buy them now. And for most people who only went a couple times a year, they probably didn't realize, but yeah. we went, you know, I, we went enough that I noticed it like the third time. I'm like, this guy's always here, Yeah, yeah. but yeah. he's trying to create that scarcity, yeah, right? Totally. Um, and I'm not saying do that, so, but uh, it does, it does move people to buy. And when you have an evergreen course, it, it, it is tough. Yeah. We are down the road from our office here. In between my office and my house, there there uh, was uh, an op shop, like a, a um, I don't know if you know what an op shop is, but like a you know secondhand clothes and vintage kind of collectibles oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And I moved to Melbourne 21, 22 years ago. And when I first moved to Melbourne, it was like an expensive boutique op shop where you'd go in and you'd pay like, you know, three hundred dollars for a secondhand pair of jeans because they were collectible, right? And they had on the window they had clearance last days right? <laughs> that shop closed down about 12 months ago. 
So for 20 years they had clearance last days <laughs> on the window, right? And it just became like a local joke. But you're right, like a lot of people coming in from other suburbs, they had no idea. They're like, oh, we're going to buy this stuff now because the place is going to be gone soon. It's hilarious. Right. Um, let's pivot a little bit, talk about, so you're an online educator, you've, uh, you've, you're creating online courses, you've got a podcast, you've jumped through all the hoops, you've probably if I'm guessing right, documented the process of setting up a website for your podcast. You've taken that, turned it into a course, the build your podcast website in three days. Tell us a little bit about the course and what people can expect to learn from that course. Yeah. So again, going back to podcast movement, way more people were interested in the fact that I knew how to make a podcast website. And so that was maybe good enough market research for me. I'm not saying that is good market research, but it was good enough for me to be like, I think there's, I think if I build the right audience and find the right people, this will be a big hit. Uh, because Pat Flynn is out there, right? It, I mean, we keep talking about Pat, but yeah. he he has a podcasting course. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't talk about the technical aspect of it. Mm. So you can learn from a bunch of people how to learn or how to podcast, mm. right? What mic you should get. And, you know, there's enough free content out there to do that. But, mm. When it finally comes time to launch your show, uh, maybe you're like, what do I do, right? Uh, Pat uses WordPress uh, and and a few WordPress plugins. And so I kind of pick up where the how to podcast people leave off. Mm. You have your idea, you have your equipment, maybe you've recorded your first episode. Now, what do you do? What do you build? Where do you go for that? Mm. Uh, and, and so we, on day one, we uh, talk about, Here's how to buy hosting. Here's how to register the domain. Here's how to install WordPress. And WordPress is the vehicle that I use because I'm most familiar with it. And I think it gives you the most flexibility. Totally. But, yeah. And so day two is configuring WordPress, finding the audio host, finding the plugin that works best with the audio host, setting up the theme, and uploading our first episode to WordPress. Uh, and then day three is you now have published your first episode. Now that that's there and you need that to submit your feed to iTunes and or Apple Podcasts and all that, mm. day three is submitting your podcast to all of the places. And so you buy the course on Friday. By Monday, you will have a podcast in at least Stitcher and TuneIn and Spotify. Apple Podcasts. They do their own thing, right? Yeah. They take their time. That's, but, that's right. It's a yeah. black hole. Nobody knows how it works. It's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, they take yeah. a few days to, to accept it. And then yeah. if you're lucky, they might put you on the new and noteworthy charts without even letting you know. Uh, right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so so this is great. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years, taking a lot of courses, like I've done all the courses with all the, all the big names about how to run webinars and how to do podcasts and how to do product launches and all that kind of stuff. And usually what happens is they get to like module four, in week four and you've got all this content and you've got all this stuff and it comes time to uploading it to the website. And usually there's like one video of the person saying, now what you should do is go to YouTube and find my friend over there, Darren, who teaches you how to set up, you know, blah, blah, blah on Kajabi or teachable or thinkific or, and it's like, they don't teach tech because tech is difficult for people who are non-developers. And I'll tell you what's even harder is teaching tech and simplifying tech to non-techies is really tricky. It's, it's a real art. So uh, this is super valuable for people who have got a podcast, maybe got some traction, uh, and now they need to solve the technical problem of actually getting it up and hosting it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I have. That's the thing that I've noticed as well, right, is there's a lot of how, you know, why and how you should build your podcast. 
but now what do you do once you have your podcast? Yeah. And so uh, I try to make all of my courses a learn by doing, right? The, yeah. the student starts with nothing and at the end they have this thing. And so if you watch all the videos in a row, you will, you'll have a website and I talk you through it and exactly how to do it. So awesome. um, that's, yeah, that's been really important to me. And, and even in my university classes, like we would have implementation days or hands-on days every few weeks where we actually did something in the classroom. Yeah. yeah. Super impactful. Uh, where can people find out more about that course and your other online courses? If you go to creatorcourses.com slash shop, if you want to skip the marketing page, uh, that's where all of my courses are. So you'll see the newest one is the Launcher Podcast in three days. There's also a few resources on Gutenberg there. But um, cool. yeah, the the podcast website is the one I'm most proud of right now awesome. because it, it's nice. Yeah. So creatorcourses.com. Yep. Nice domain name, brother. Thank you very much. Let me tell you, my first one was wpinonemonth.com. And that was bad for a lot of reasons. Because I locked myself into WordPress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also people are like, what does one month mean? And I'm like, it means literally nothing. Like, yeah, <laughs> So yeah. uh, I rebranded in January. I, I thought long and hard about a domain and I grabbed creatorcourses.com. Awesome. Good one. I'm, yeah. I'm glad, it was, glad it was available. Um, hey, this has been uh, awesome. Thank you very much, Joe Casabona, for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. Thank you for putting up the technical issues we had at the start of this show and, and soldiering on and working with us. Uh, I'm glad we could make this happen. Uh, for those of you who are watching or listening, get on over to creatorcourses.com and check out Joe's work. I can personally vouch for this man. I've met him in real life and I can um, vouch that he has legs just like me um, and, uh, and he's, a, he's a good character. So uh, get on over to creatorcourses.com. Hey, uh, what are you most excited about in 2019? I am most excited about taking the audience that I'm currently trying to build and successfully selling to them, you know, uh, making the online courses part of my business, the main part of my business. Yeah. It's a, man, it's such a fun place to play, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah. I, I, this morning I was getting ready to come to work. We had a rough night with Oscar last night. We didn't get much sleep. My wife is going off to do some work this morning. She's a psychologist. I get to come and hang out in the studio and make podcasts and make videos and, and just goof off on the internet and have fun and be creative. And I love it, man. It's such a fun place to play in. Yeah, absolutely. My wife is a nurse. And when, you know, when she says like, are you, are you sure you want to get up with the baby? Like uh, I, I can get up and I'm like, no, 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 you go to work and you take care of people there. Yeah. I get to do whatever I want in my office. So yeah, yeah. I'll wake up and then I'll sleep in a little or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. You're a good yeah. man. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let my wife hear this episode of the podcast because <laughs> <laughs> then she'll just be, no, on the days that she goes to work, if, if Oscar wakes up the night before the day she goes to work, it's my job to get up and, and take care of him. So, and luckily last night he wasn't too bad. He just woke up a couple of times. So, Hey, awesome. Uh, Joe, it's been great to connect. Thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, look forward to keeping in touch and uh, yeah, let us know uh, what happens in 2019 and we'd love to get you back on to share some more of your insights at some point, at some point in the future. Awesome. Thanks Troy for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's how you shoot an episode of the WP Elevation podcast. We finally got there with all the technical uh, issues. So uh, awesome. I'm glad we could bring that to you. Creatorcourses.com. Go and check out Joe over there and say hi. Leave us a comment under this video on Facebook uh, or wherever you're watching and tell us who you'd like us to interview next on the podcast. And remember, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. WPElevation.com slash iTunes is where you find that. 
and leave us a rating and a review, please, because it does help us come up in the search results. I look forward to your company again next on the podcast, All Silence is Golden, our live stream show that we put out Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock Sydney time. Love to see you there. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast as much as I did. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe at iTunes, wpelevation.com slash iTunes will get you there. And leave us a rating and a review because it really does help us come up in the search results and get this podcast in front of a wider audience. Uh, You can also like us on Facebook at wpelevation.com slash Facebook. Uh, We have a live show that goes out every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock Sydney time. It's around about, I think, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you're uh, in the States, uh, depending on which coast. Uh, It's called Silence is Golden, and it's a live stream show that runs for about half an hour with myself and my co-host Simon Kelly, where we provide some entertainment and some news and some information and insights around running a creative freelance business. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, wpelevation.com slash YouTube, and click the bell to get notified about when we release our how-to videos where we teach you all things technology and web-related to help you run your creative freelance business. And, of course, if you go to wpelevation.com slash Snapchat, you will not find us. You will be redirected to an epic blog post that my friend Jason Resnick wrote a while ago on our blog because we're not active on Snapchat. There you go. That's just the way it is. Uh, We are active on Instagram, though, and our our good friend Maddie, who is uh, on the team here, she's been experimenting with our Instagram account. So check us out on Instagram too and see what's happening over there. I look forward to your company next on the live stream show or the podcast. Uh, Please give us some feedback and let us know uh, what you'd like to see next on the podcast and who you'd like us to interview. And if you're interested in growing your consulting business and working with our team to get that done, you can enrol in our blueprint course at wpelevation.com. All the details you need to know are over there. Jump on one of our weekly webinars and learn all about it and enroll in that program. And if you are already a six-figure consultancy and you want to go to multiple six or seven figures, then you should seriously consider joining Mavericks Club, which is our high-end mastermind. We meet three times a year in person, uh, usually in Southern California or Southeast Asia. We run uh, a couple of Zoom calls every month and we give you a structure and systems to help you scale your business from six figures to multiple six and seven figures. So uh, you can send an email to support at wpelevation.com with the word maverick in the subject line and we'll take it from there. We'll get in touch with you and let you know what the next steps are. All right, look forward to your company again soon on the podcast or one of our shows. Until then, my name's Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.